I, I just, you know, make comment or whatever. And you need to know that I love my wife to bits and uh, she's a fantastic wife. She's down uh, at Unleashed. And I thought sometimes the women get sometimes a little bit of a, you know, not a hard time here, but I just wanted to say to you ladies, we think you're amazing. We don't want to just wait till there's about three men who believe that. You're not getting any dinner. You're getting no dinner now. So I'm going to say it again. And then, you know, we think you ladies are absolutely outstanding, don't we? And we don't have to wait till Mother's Day to be able to say that. And why I was thinking about that, because I was thinking about my wife, and this just made me smile. It may not be politically correct, as in, you know, the language that's used, but I'm going to use it anyway. And, and this is what he says. A man once said to his wife one day, I don't know how you can be so stupid and so beautiful all at the same time. And so the wife responded, allow me to explain God made me beautiful so you would be attracted to me. And God made me stupid so I would be attracted to you. (laughs) Do you like that, ladies? Any ladies like that? Come on, any ladies like that? Wonderful. We think you are intelligent and beautiful. And we're so glad to have so many beautiful ladies in the life of this church. And while I'm on that, we have some cracking guys as well, don't we, in this house? Some terrific guys. Well, it's been an absolutely fantastic series so far, and we've still got a few weeks. It's going to lead us up to to Easter. Easter is fast approaching. And um, we've been working through, if this is your first week here today, we've been looking at a series that Julie has mentioned called Simplify. The whole thought around it is uh, from Proverbs 4, verse 23. I don't know whether anybody can quote it. I hope you can, or you get into it. It says this. That above all else, above everything else, we need to guard our hearts. For out of it spring the issues of life. Everything that happens wrong in our lives, everything that happens good in our lives, flows from this heart. Not the organ that pumps blood around us, but who we are. And therefore the Bible's encouraging us that we need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our hearts. A lot of the evil that happens in this world starts here. Yeah? Out of here, our mouths speak, and the evil that we speak happens from here. And we've been looking at a number of things that we need to simplify. We need to declutter our hearts. We need to make sense of why we do the things we do and what makes us tick. And that's the whole thought of this this series. And today, I want to look at going from anxious to peaceful and how we can conquer our fears. I wonder if anybody would just help me this morning. If you've ever been fearful, I wonder if you'd just raise your hand. I want everybody to respond. If anybody's ever been fearful, you know, my, both of my hands have been times, yeah, some of you, there's, there's a lot, there can be a lot of fears. You can put your hands down that can be around our lives. And what we want to do simply this morning is look at how we can move from anxious to peaceful and how we can conquer, overcome those fears. You know, many of us can be like this box that looks pretty attractive together, sorted. It's not falling to bits. You know, it might be a little bit feminine for some people, but it's a pleasant box, you know. And everything looks good. And this can be like our lives, that we all look in order. Everything looks, you know, right and regimented and good. But when we begin to open our lives 
and take the lid off our lives. And of course, nobody can see that. Nobody can see that on the, on the outside. But when we go in, we start to realize, and this is one of the big areas above Above all, many of the other series that we've actually looked at, this one is really, really important. Really important. Because this can undo all the other things that we, we've been looking at, from wounded to whole, wholeness last week, about making room for forgiveness. If you weren't here, I'd encourage you to listen to the podcast. You know, and there's been a number of other things in terms of how do we handle our finances and other things that we've been looking at. But this one subject here today is really important because this can undo everything. And this robs us of our peace. Because on the outside we look good, but internally we're full of chains. And these, these represent chains of fear that bind us. People are bound by fears. I'm not just talking about, oh, get that spider away from me, man. Uh, you know, and the women have to go and sort it out. <laughs> or I don't like going in the lift. I'm not, I'm not deriding that, okay. But some, some of us have incredible fears and phobias. We'll come on to that in a moment. And it can undo us. And you know it. I've got your attention immediately. I've got your attention. In fact, I want to say, gotcha. Because already you know this is a message that you need to hear. And we're going to practically look at how we can just overcome, how we can conquer, how we can release our fears. There's not a magic wand, but there is some processes that I believe that are going to be very helpful that we find in the scripture that will help us to move forward. You see, God's desire is that you will live in his shalom. Just bear with me for a moment, because that word is a word that is used for greeting. Often in, our, in the Jewish community, they use it to welcome and they use it to depart. They say shalom. And it's the whole thought around it is of peace. There is a peace. But I want to say shalom is much more than a phrase. It's much more than a greeting. Because on closer investigation of this Hebrew word, a Hebrew word conveys many things. It conveys feeling, it conveys intent, and it conveys emotion. So what am I saying when I'm using this word shalom? And this is God's desire that he, every one of us would live in his shalom. And this is what it means. It's more than simply peace. It's more than just simply peace. But it is a complete peace. It is a feeling of contentment. It is a feeling of completeness and wholeness. Have you got the idea? It's not just simply peace. It's complete peace. In fact, there are many instances in the Bible where we see this shalom running through the people of God. I want to just take your attention for a moment to Numbers in chapter 6. The leader of that time, Moses he was instructed to bless the people. And he reads there in Numbers 6 verse 24. And it's interesting that I produced this just about six, seven months ago. I'd read some book and a book and it's something that I speak over my kids. They don't know it, but I'm speaking it over them all the time. This, this particular phrase. And I speak it over my wife often when I'm leaving or whatever. It's not like some superstition. I'm just speaking God's word over her. And it's the Lord bless you. And keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace, his shalom. He wants to give. And Moses was instructed to speak that over the people. We also see in the New Testament 
where the last, one of the last gifts that Jesus left the people is found in John 14 verse 27. He imparted this gift because it says this, Jesus speaking, peace I leave with you, my peace, my shalom, I give you. My peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. There's an impartation. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then we see not just Jesus, but then we see one of the greatest pioneers of the New Testament by the name of Paul, who had an interesting journey towards faith. And if you're here today and not in faith, I want to say there's hope for all of us because this guy was a murderer. He was killing the Christians. He couldn't stand God, as in the God that he, they understood it to be. He thought he knew who God was. And he, he, God took him on a whole different journey. It's great reading in the Bible. And this is what he says to a church that he was involved in pioneering. In Philippians 4 verse 6, he says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Listen, then you will experience God's shalom. You'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will God, connecting it to Proverbs 4, above all else, God. This peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So we see there from the Old Testament to the New Testament, there is a promise of this shalom, this completeness, this wholeness, this complete peace in the midst of fear. It is possible for us to move from anxious to peaceful. It is possible for us to overcome and conquer our fears. And why is this a message that's so needful today? Because all of us have fears. There have been times in the inner recesses of my world where I've been fearful, where I've been frightened. And I'm not just talking about that slippery snake that I think is there while I'm on holiday in, in America. I'm talking about, you know, fears going into situations, wondering what is happening. Remember the time when a couple of years ago, as many of you know, I had an operation on my, on my throat. And, and you, know, you know how they normally do the NHS. God bless the NHS. I'm very grateful for them. And what they have to do is clearly have to cover their own backs because my GP had said there was something that they were very concerned around in my, in my throat and they needed to get me there. And then the next letter that I have is they talk about cancer. They talk about all kinds of things. And I was in literally so quick it left us breathless. And I was very, very concerned for a moment of time, wondering what it was, because of course, it could have been cancer of the throat. And it's not just the cancer, but of course, what I do, I'm talking all the time. You may say, I wish you wouldn't, but I am. It's what I do for a job. And you begin to mind them for a moment. I needed to address that fear. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've been in context where you've had a letter. There's some news that's come. There's an email. There's, and there's fears that have got a hold of, hold of you. And fear is the enemy of peace. You know, we can simplify our calendars and our finances and our relationship, but this is the deal breaker as we seek to live a simplified life. This can undo all the other work that we do. So what are some of the peace busters? Well, peace busters, as we like to describe them, are forces or circumstances that shatter our inner internal or inner tranquility. They create fear and they create 
anxiety. We could have financial peace busters because of what's happening in our worlds financially. I'm not talking about the global markets. I'm talking about what's happening in your bank account or lack of or the overdraft or you've maxed out another loan and another credit card and it robs us of our peace. Financial, financial turmoil, financial challenges are a peace, peace buster. Of course, another big factor are relationships. Whilst I was reading again, I, this just makes me laugh again. And again, you ladies all love this because... I read about a man and his wife who were having some problems at home and were giving each other the silent treatment. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you've been husband and wife. Oh, you don't do that, do you? Okay. That's great. We're in a great church, Paul. They don't do that. Okay. Me and my wife, well, at times anyway. Okay. And suddenly the man realized that the next day he would need his wife to wake him up at five o'clock in the morning for an early morning business flight. So he's not wanting to be the first to break the silence and lose. Men, do we know what we're talking about? I'm not giving in and she's not giving in. And so he wrote it on a piece of paper. Please wake me at five o'clock in the morning. And he left it where he knew she would find it. The next morning, the man woke up. You guessed it. Only to discover it was nine o'clock in the morning. And he had missed his flight. He was furious. He was about to go and see why his wife hadn't wakened him when he noticed a piece of paper by the bed. The paper said, it is five o'clock in the morning, wake up. (laughs) The moral to this story, men are not equipped for these kinds of contests. (laughs) Relational challenges that can rob our peace. Financial problems that can rob our peace. But what about the challenge, and it'll come on the screen in a moment, of unexpected bad news? That email, that letter, that telephone call, that, can I see you after work in my office? And you heard the jungle drums that redundancy and unemployment is having to lay people off. What about that early morning call at early hours of the morning? Unexpected. Bad news. Oh, it can so rob us of our peace. You know what I do in this, and this is just not a a magic uh, remedy, but honestly, I've lived by these verses because I saw them in the Bible very early on in my teenage years because it reads in Psalm 112, and some of you need to just take some of these notes down. There's a lot of scripture that's going to be coming. And it says here in Psalm 112, verse 6 to 7, Surely the righteous will never be shaken, and they will be remembered forever. Verse 7, they will have no fear of bad news, because their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Listen, bad news will come to all of you. It didn't say you'll never have bad news. It says you will have no fear of bad news. Why? Because our hearts are steadfast on him. We lean into him, and we are trusting in the Lord. The second thing is the disregard for boundaries that can seriously bust our peace. You may say, what do you mean? Well, the Bible records many times, do not move the boundary stone. There are some moral boundary stones that have been placed. They've been placed there on purpose. 
It talks about a man married to a woman and not having other relationships. It's called adultery. There are numbers of people who've committed adultery in this church. I know who you are. You've confessed to me. There's been a journey of repentance and just working things through, which is wonderful because God's grace is so big. But listen, there are times when people can walk into a particularly that example of a relationship and it can bust their peace because they have no regard for boundaries. You see, what happens is this. They determine that they're not going to get involved in a particular situation, but then they find themselves crossing over that boundary and then entering into whatever it is they're entering into. And what it does, it fills them with remorse. It fills them with guilt. It fills them that they feel dirty. They they just wish they hadn't done it. Am I speaking to anybody here today? Um, You know, and this is what, and what it does, it busts your peace. When we violate the boundary stones that God has set in place, he set them in place for our safety, for our peace. The third thing is that I wrote down here, big one, is the thought about life and death. Our own mortality. Our own mortality. You know, some of us are closer to death than we were you know, you understand what I mean. You're getting ever closer here. I did an exercise many months ago in the church. I gave you, if you remember, a timeline of years and said, tear off how old you are and that's gone. Look at what's left. Look how long you want to live to because it went to 120 years. Well, in my mind, I tore it off at 90. I don't really want to be going unless I'm fit and healthy till another 30 years and decrepit and all the rest of it for my family and kids and just not knowing what I'm doing. And you know what I'm talking, it's just tough. So, you know, for me, there was 45 years. I remember putting it in my office and Isaac said, what's that? And I said, told him, he went, Dad, don't talk about death like that. <laughs> he was wrecked. But the reality is, the, real, the more I've realized, I'll be 46 next birthday. I now begin to think about some of these things. And some people think about them a lot. And it takes away a lot of peace. Because there's no certainty or guarantee in terms of your life and your heart. And you're not sure where you're going to be. The Bible is very, very clear. There, there is the presence of God. There is something that we can walk into knowing his presence. Or when we die, we are devoid of his presence. And, and it's an unfashionable word. But the Bible calls it this way of hell which is separated from God and when people begin to think about life and death it can really bust their peace sickness impending sickness cancer and of course we walk that through on a regular basis in the life of this church it always causes me lots of internal pain when I navigate this through and we've got some circumstances now Dearly loved people in the life of this church who are having to navigate through significant sickness. But one thing I know is this. Again, a verse that I found as an 18-year-old. I remember reading this. And it records in Psalm 18, verse 30. As for God, His way is perfect. We don't have to allow these things to bust our Peace, whether it's financial, relational, bad news, disregard for boundaries, thinking about life and death. We want to live with his shalom, 
His completeness over our lives. You may say, well, Christian, tell me how. I'm going to get there in a moment, but I just need to deal with one other thing. Because when I talk about fear, there's something that actually we like to describe as constructive fear. There is something as constructive fear. I used to live with this when I was at school. I remember, even though it's a long time ago now, I remember that just the last day before we knew we'd got that biology exam, there was a constructive fear that came on me. What it meant was I knuckled down and I revised that whole evening to make sure I was as prepared as I could be. Anybody know what I'm talking about for the following day? That was constructive. There's a constructive fear that comes if you're going for that interview tomorrow, you're going to make sure you're prepared. You're going to do everything you can to get yourself prepared. I think that's fairly constructive. There's another constructive fear that says, actually, I don't want to get too close to the mountain's edge because otherwise, oh God forbid, I topple. So there are some things that actually I think God helps us with and they're good In fact, I'll tell you a funny story. I'm now having more and more of a constructive fear of steps. I was walking through the city of Sheffield. Anybody ever visited Sheffield shopping in the city centre? You know where the memorial is and where the city hall? Well, I was was there and there was actually something happening. My my kids were saying I was nebbing, all right? I don't neb. I don't neb. We don't neb, do we, blokes? We don't neb, do we? That, we leave that to the ladies, don't we? Is that right? Any, oh, you're all scaredy cats now. Okay. Well, I leave it to my wife. But I, so I maintain I was focused. But there I am walking through the city. And I didn't see these little steps. You know what's coming next? And I had my hands in my pockets. And I was all over the floor. And what was interesting, I was literally lying on the floor. I mean, sprawled out now in the middle of this shop, you know, shopping area. What are you laughing for, Debbie? It's not that nice. And, and, and there's this guy, literally, where's Helen? He walked right up to me and just looked at me like this. Didn't say, can I help you up or whatever. I thought, you know, what are you on with? Are you on drugs or something? You know, anyway. So I now have a constructive fear of steps. So when I'm walking down steps, I'm very, very cautious as I go down them. It's very helpful because otherwise I trip over and, you know, all the rest of it, constructive fears. But there's also a destructive fear. And this diminishes the quality of our lives. This is where I would just want to finish off on. This plays with our minds. This destructive Fear robs our joy. It is complete polar opposite to shalom, the peace that God desires for us. It shatters our confidence. And what I've realized is this. I was just reading up on this this week. And this destructive fear, if you break the word fear down, F-E-A-R, what I like to describe it as, it's not common to me. I saw this, I read it. But if we use the word F, which is false, it'll come on the screen. E is evidence. A, appearing, are real. So let me just say what fear often is, is false evidence that appears real. False evidence that appears real. But there are two responses that I want to make from that because I think it's really important, again, using the word fear, because some people, they take the F and they forget and they take the E and they say everything and the A is and... And the R is run. So they forget everything and run. 
And that's where some of us have been. Where we see these fears and we believe that it's the real evidence and it appears real, but it's not, it's false. And then we forget everything as a result of that and we run. But actually there's another response that we can make to this fear, which I prefer. And if we can put it on the screen, is face everything and rise. Do you like that? Face everything and rise. Instead of just believing that it's real because it isn't real and because we think it's real, we're now going to bolt and run. We're now going to face everything and rise. Whether it's real or not real, we're going to face it head on in Jesus' name. Anybody with me this morning? And we're going to say in Jesus' name, I'm going to push through and I'm going to rise. And listen to me on this particular point. So, so important. You get this. You get to choose which one you're going to live in. Are you going to face everything, that new job, that new career, that new business that you're launching, that new relationship that you're entering into? And it's God-given. How many times do we stop ourselves moving into all that God has for us because we're full of fear? Yeah, we're full of fear. We need to face everything and rise. In fact, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. So how do we overcome this destructive fear? How do we conquer our fears? And I want to say this, in the last 10 minutes that I've got with you, this is where the tough work begins. I would love to say to you, those who lifted their hands, yes, I live in fear, that I have now a magic wand out of my pocket, and I just go, abracadabra, and everybody's sorted. It doesn't work like that. Did you like that? How I was so creative. I'm just, I surprised myself, actually. I really do. I wish my wife was here to have seen that. He was just, yeah, please tell her. I'd even love to say, because we believe in the power of prayer and the times this happens, that I could lay hands on you and it's going to work. But oftentimes that is not how it works. So there can be something that breaks, but there's an ongoing process. Any Christian person know what I'm talking about there. There's a journey that we have to take. But this is where the tough work begins. So are we, are we going to be ready for some tough work? Just nudge the neighbor, you actually go, whoa, Okay. So if we're going to conquer our fears, there are four things I want to quickly say. And before I say that, I now want you to just turn to the card that's on your chair. Because I'm now giving you this last part of the message. That doesn't give you an excuse now to say, great, I'm going home. (laughs) Bye. You know, I'll get my cup at home. Or, you know, I'll just nod off for a few minutes. Don't read this. This is for you to take home. Listen to me. But I'm going to identify these points. And this is for you to take away. I've done this purposely on this message because we felt it was so, so important. Because I come across so many people who look good, but are full of chains. So first of all, we have to identify where fear comes from. You know, some people live their entire lives tormented by a fear that resulted from one traumatic event. Third, many times when we go people through the waters of baptism, 
there's been on occasions people who said, look, I have such a fear of water. It's just... And when you trace it back, there was a circumstance, there was an issue, there was something that happened that may have got into trouble in water, one single event, and now that has created fear with them that they're now living 30, 40, 50 years down the line. If that's you today, I don't diminish that. I'm just saying I want to identify where fear comes from. That is one single event, but you're allowing that one single event to rob you. There are some people who won't go in lifts now. Because there's a child, they were locked in a lift or a lift wouldn't open when it should have done and it created such fear and you felt claustrophobic and yeah, at one single event. Whatever it is, there's usually one or two singular events that have created such fears. The classic is public speaking. Usually people are frightened of public speaking, not because they're shy, it's because they may have had a bad experience of it. So you remember the, the situation. Thankfully, I overcame this. But the, the first time I was asked to, to, to read out loud in, in class, and you know, it was in secondary school, and you, you did it when you was in junior, but there. And I remember getting some words wrong, not pronouncing it, and people <laughs> sniggering in the class. I could have easily allowed that to stop me. Because there's times here that I don't get my pronunciation right. right. I, I, my grammar's not the greatest, but I'm not going to allow that to stop me from entering into all that God has for me. So we have to identify where this fear comes from. Where is it coming from for you? What's stopping you? And then secondly, we have to expose fear's lies. Because at the root of this is a lie. And I want to say this. Satan, the devil, whatever name you want to call him, the evil one. He's the father, the originator of lies. The Bible clearly tells us that. Jesus said, he is the father of lies. He's the originator of lies. And he uses lies to birth fears. So he'll keep telling you lies that you can't speak. Look how they laughed at you. <laughs> you can't do that. You, you, think you, can, you must be joking. Remember. Remember when you was in year 11. And they all started laughing. All those girls at the back. Remember when you can't go on a plane on your own. Remember how you got, you know, because it's a confined space. You remember when you was on that aircraft and, 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 it, and there was turbulence and, hello? We've got to find the originator of the, of the lies. And what happens is, with lies and exposing fears lies, is we often role play. We create the worst case scenarios and I'm going to try and pronounce this word, so you're going to have to just go with me. Catastrophizing. Where there's a catastrophic event, and we now, I can't even say it again now because I read it down, I wrote it down. But it, we catastrophizing, we, we make it so big. Am I speaking to anybody? It just, it becomes so big. Listen to me. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's just a blatant lie. So what do we need to do? We've got to identify where it comes from. We've got to expose it. We've got to name it. But then I love this. Oh, this is the bit I like. We've got to go toe to toe. We've got to go head on with lies. We've got to come to the point where we say, you know what? I don't like that lift, but I'm going to get in that lift in Jesus' name. And some of you can do it even today. I'm going to get in the lift today. You may say that water, I'm going to go down the swimming baths 
with my kids or with my grandkids. I'm going to, I'm going to just overcome it. Not go daft, diving into the river, you know, down the lake and seeing, you know, I'm going to do English Channel. Don't do anything stupid, okay, please. I don't want that coming back to me. We're only lawsuits. <laughs> we have to face it head on. There's been times in my life when I face these fears and I face them head on and I've just given them to the Lord. And I'll come on to point four. I love what Eleonora uh, Eleanor Roosevelt says this. She says, you gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. You are able to say to yourself, I have lived through this horror. I can take the next thing that comes along. I love that. You've got to go head to head. You've got to go, sorry, you've got to go toe to toe. You may need to go head to head as well. You've got to face it head on and you've got to face it in Jesus' name. Just under this particular point as well, it's so important when we think about fears that we don't affirm our kids' fears. Just let's not grow a group of kids that are just full of fear because we're full of fears. Let's not pass them on. Let's do something better. Can I hear a big amen between parents and grandparents and great We just want to do better than that. We don't want to live with fear. I don't want to live with fear at the very heart and root of my life. And fourthly, if we're going to overcome it, simply we've got to speak words of truth and life. Let me just quickly say, what do I mean by this? I was in the shower on... I was in the shower this morning as well. I don't really think I only have it once a week, but I was, I was <laughs> sometimes twice a day as well, as well. But I was in the shower on, on Friday. I was, it's been a heavy week. It's been a heavy week. It's been, I've been tired. I've felt heavy. And, and often Caroline will, will hear me. It's just a discipline. I don't do this to try and make it. I'm a superhero because I'm certainly not that. But she will often hear me in the shower and I will be confessing the goodness of God. I will be saying, I am strong. I am strong this morning. God is, God, Christian, God, I'm talking like God is with you. I'm confessing God's word. I speak it. I'm praising God. But this particular Friday morning, I was in and I was just thinking, I was a bit tired and she just turned to me. She just was, was in the bathroom. She says, where's my praying man? Where's my praying man? I says, what do you mean? She says, Where's my praying man? She, I says, well, I'm thinking. She says, I need to hear the praying man this morning. I hear it I hear it every morning. Where's my praying man? What she's basically saying is this. Number one, under speak words of truth and life. I self-talk. I, I speak to myself. It's in your notes. I speak to myself. I'm like, I'm like David. Why are you so downcast within me? Put your trust in God. Christian, you don't need to fear this. God is, God is with you. I, I often say, not God is with you. I say, you are with me, God. And my confession is not just you're with me, but you said you'd go before me. And actually, you said you'd sort it out. So God, this is my confession this morning. I'm speaking confidence, strength, courage into my heart. Can I hear a big hearty amen? That's what I do. If we want to start making some steps of overcoming, you may say this is a bit motivated. It isn't. I'm telling you, this is the Bible. How was David able to overcome people who wanted to stone him? And he says that David found encouragement in the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord. He spoke to himself. He began to speak to himself. These want to kill me. They were my friends. I've lost my kids and my family and my possessions. But God, you're with me. God, you can sort this out. There's some self-talk that begins to happen. Not nonsense talk, self-talk according to the Bible. Secondly, Scripture. 
Commit it to memory. Commit it to memory. Get to a couple of verses that just help you. This verses that actually our kids can now quote. Even the little ones. And they'll quote it. And we haven't brainwashed them. They've committed it to memory. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. They just know it. It's in them. We've encouraged them to commit it to memory. Get one or two verses that you might be you know, fearful of people, of meetings, of meeting new people, of going to a new place. Get something in God's word. We can help you with that. That you begin to just confess every single day. It will build strength into your heart. And thirdly, through prayer. Through prayer. We're not going to conquer any of our fears just by identifying and just by exposing it and just by facing it. We've got to speak these words of truth and life and we're going to speak to ourselves with the word of God, but we've also got to pray. We've got to pray. You know, some things that we face, we may need some professional help with. And psychiatrists and secular psychiatrists, I've got nothing wrong with them and and counsellors, wonderful. I really haven't. Very, very helpful. But for me, I also think as a, as a Christian, as a Christian believer, the one thing that's so helpful to me in my life of overcoming the fears that I've had, and there's been many, and I will continue to have them. We don't know what's going to, just on that, we don't, don't look at me and think that everything's wonderful and hunky-dory. I have doubts, pangs of doubts, how are things going to work? How's, how's the, 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 the uh, morning service, Stephen and Alini, going to go? There's pangs of doubt and little fear, tinges of fear. What's going to happen when we open the project? Is, is it going to work? Is it all going to fall flat on its face? We all have to walk through those things. Every single one of us. But I want to commit it to prayer. I want to commit it to the scripture. And finally, one final verse I want to say to you. It reads in Isaiah 41 verse 10. I read it from the message that I want to read it from the NIV. It says, don't panic. I'm with you. There's no need to fear for I'm your God. I'll give you strength. Yeah, if you want to come to the platform, I'll help you. I'll hold you steady. And I'll keep a firm grip on you. This is what it says in Isaiah 41 verse 10. So do not fear. You listening? So do not fear. This is God speaking, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. And I will strengthen you and I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand we want to help you to simplify your life this morning the whole purpose is to try and help you to go from anxious to peaceful to conquer your fears as I said I'd encourage you to take away that piece of A5 card and on it you'll see name your fear and number two craft a strategy for overcoming your fear please take it with you even if you say well It's not part of where I'm at. There'll be one or two things. It'll be helpful to you. Because we want to see people live in freedom. We want people to know God. And we want people to find freedom. I wonder if we just close our eyes and bow our heads for a moment. Give people some privacy. In this moment, I'm not going to ask you to stand to your feet. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. That would freak you out. And that is not my heart. But today you say, Christian, I want to know this Jesus that you're talking about. That Julie's been talking about, that the guys have been singing about. I want to know this. I want to know this Jesus who this person's invited me, my friend who's brought me. I want to, I want to know this Jesus. It's as simple 
as you just saying today, Christian, I want to know this Jesus. I want to begin the journey. You recognize that you just need help in your life. I want to receive the forgiveness of Jesus. Every one of us have done things wrong. We all know that. I don't need to tell us that we've all messed up. We've all messed up. But this is what I'm talking about. Jesus has provided a way for us to get back to God and to just live at peace, his shalom over our lives. It won't happen just through having all the money in the bank account or having the business and the career, the wife, the kids. That won't create peace, long-lasting peace. Create moments of peace, but not long-lasting. My experience is long-lasting peace comes through the shalom of God. God's peace in our hearts. So while every eye is closed and head is bowed, if you've never responded to Jesus Christ, you say, Christian, would you pray for me this morning? I know there's people here today who need to respond. And you want to begin the journey of faith, of walking towards Jesus. I wonder if you'd just raise your hand where you are now. Raise it high so I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else today? Be bold enough to just lift your hand or give it just another moment. Anybody else who says, I want to live in this peace. I want to know this Jesus. Anybody else today? Father, thank you for these precious people who have responded to you today. I simply ask Lord Jesus now, as their hands are raised or they've just put them down, that they would know in their hearts, Lord, your love supernaturally you would do something in all of their hearts. Lord, we all know that we've sinned. We've made mistakes. We've fallen short of your requirements. But Lord, thank you that you came. You lived a sinless life, a perfect life. You died on a cross for all of our sins. You took our punishment and our guilt and our shame. And I pray, Lord, for these people, as they just give it all to you, as they give it all to you, that you would begin a real work in every one of their hearts. Now, while every eye is closed, I know in this kind of size of auditorium, there's going to be people who this is going to respond to. And I don't do that just to be clever. But if you say, Christian, I am so battling with a lot of fears. And I want to begin... I'm going to take on board what I've heard this morning and I'm going to apply myself to what I've heard. And if that is you today, I'm just going to simply ask that the Holy Spirit will help you in these coming days. But if that's you today, say, Christian, would you pray for me? Just raise your hand where you are now. Just quickly, raise your hand. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Hands all over the place. Any more? Father, we pray. Yeah, we simply pray for all the hands that have been raised and are raised. Lord, that you would help each and every one of these precious people to apply your word to their hearts. That they would live in complete freedom. Every chain being broken. We ask supernaturally, you would do a work in lives And also that you would, your process would be worked out in their lives. Lord, we're not just free, but we continue to get free. 
Release fears from people now. Break strongholds. Bring people into a new life in you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that there would be a joy that comes. A joy. A joy that fills your heart. There's numbers of people here today. You you, you lack joy. There's a joy that's going to fill your heart. A joy of Jesus. A joy in the Holy Spirit. It's going to fill you. Fill them, Lord. Fill them, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Listen, if you need prayer this morning, at the end of our time together, we're just going to, in a moment, Julie's just going to take a lead and lead us through uh, as we give of our worship in an offering to God. She'll give clear instructions about that. But just for a moment, on your seat, there's a, a Connect card. If you've responded to Jesus this morning and you'd like to just signify that, fill out your name, hold it in your hand, You can either put it in the offering container or just over here, there's a prayer point. You can take it to the prayer point. We've got some information that we'd like to give to you. A Bible, some information that's going to help you. No hard sell, nothing pressured, but we'd love to just help you in your journey that you've started. It may be on your Connect card you're new in and you need somebody to pray for you. You might want to fill out your name and put in your prayer needs, drop it in the container. Again, people... We'll make sure they will be praying for you. If you just want to know information about Arena Church and you're here for the very first time, and you're not on the database, you want to make this your home, just fill that out. We promise you. Arena, no hassle guarantee. We're not going to pursue you. We'll just send you an email or a letter, just welcoming you and just helping you. It's there to serve you, not to bind you. I would encourage you to do that. But one final thing for me, there were numbers of people who responded to follow Jesus. And I just think it'd be a great thing as a church if we could do this. The Bible records that people, all heaven is celebrating over people that are coming back to Jesus. So I'd like to join the party a little bit with heaven, if that's okay. So you guys who raise your hand, you know who you are. We, we just celebrate with you this morning. We really do. We really celebrate. You've made a great decision. Great decision. Great decision. You're going to have to overcome some fears now. What are people going to say to you? What are people going to say about you? Even filling that card out. Oh, no, I don't want to. No, we, trust me. We're not out to trick you. Fill it out. Overcome it. But you're going to have to face some fears now. Being a Christian. My goodness, what a life we live. But it's not the easiest life. It's really not the easiest life. But with Jesus, we can overcome anything and everything. One final thing from me. Guys, if you're from Arena Church and you have an interest in being in a small group, as in leading a small group, we have small group leader training at 12.30 today, okay, in the boardroom downstairs. There's one or two who are aware of that, but if you have an interest in going through some training, being a small group leader, not just being part of one, being a small group leader, then I'd encourage you to go. Paul will be leading that. Paul's waving now. Okay, this is Paul at the front. He would love to see you today.